as I grew older, I realized, well, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And we have two ways of viewing the world, a more conservative, reserved way and a more liberal, chaotic way. Then certainly there must be somewhere in the middle that I'm missing. So slowly, bit by bit, making myself more liberally minded. I don't mean that in politics and stuff like that. I mean more of just literally trying to find a middle ground. This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon. I'm the chief content nerd at Love Line Nerd and co-host of this here Humans of Gaming podcast. I'm joined with Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Yo, I'm Chris. I'm the chief executive nerd for Love Thy Nerd. And welcome to Humans of Gaming, where we have people guest onto the podcast with us, people that are working their butts off in the gaming industry, whether video games, board games, other games. And we just try to get to know them a little bit as people and who they are and talk about that good stuff. Probably give a heads up to our listeners about some plans we have for the rest of the year before we jump in and introduce our guest for today's show. And that is that we're hard at work right now planning for 2020. What we want to do in 2020 is kind of a more curated type podcast. We want to be uh, kind of have a plan for what guests we're going to have on the show a little bit more, probably some themed kind of series of guests on the show. And uh, also we're going to schedule in some breaks for ourselves for next year. So the idea is to kind of do like three, 10 or so episode seasons. And, and that would be, that would be our year for 2020. So schedule in some breaks, um, have some killer guests on and kind of have that all planned out better. We've had to take some breaks recently just for things like, our lives getting crazy, holidays, <laughs> love, yeah, day jobs, love thy nerd, con, planning that, just all those things kind of coming together and it just becomes hard to keep this, make it sustainable. So I think this new new plan will make the podcast more sustainable. Uh, we'll have a few less episodes maybe than we did this year, but I think they'll be better and, and you'll be more prepared for them. This will probably be our last episode for 2019. Yeah. Um, we're going to take some time off for Thanksgiving like by the time this comes out, Thanksgiving will have already happened. Uh, you know, take some time off for Thanksgiving um, and Christmas, and you know, be able to focus on our families during that time. Um, but yeah, we're pumped for 2020. Yeah. Did I miss anything, Chris? You did great. Eight eight out of ten would listen again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll take it. So uh, we should introduce our very special guest, yeah. and that is Josiah Martindale. Hey, Josiah. How it is. And uh, so you just launched a Kickstarter not too long ago, and it's funded, and it's a uh, overfunded. Uh, hey, congrats! Yeah. By the way, dude. Thank you very much. We actually just hit ten thousand today, and we're like really feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is your first Kickstarter, right? Yep, this is our first real Kickstarter and our first really professionally produced product. Give us the give us the rundown. When I say the we, it's not like the royal we. I'm talking about me and my friend TJ. Mm -hmm. uh, together we made Verge Games. I'm the writer and he is the producer. Uh, basically, he's handling all the things that make it come into reality. And I'm the one who makes it up in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, we took, uh, well, I took for the writing part, a Christmas Carol 
and turned it into an adventure module for D&D 5th edition. Um, not sure. That kind of sums it up, actually. Yeah. Uh, I basically ripped off Dickens. Yeah. Not a bad guy to rip off. I figure if you're going to rip something off, might as well do it. <laughs> I mean, I could have ripped off yeah. my cousin, but he's a terrible writer. Yeah. <laughs> you're not the first, right? Dickens has been ripped <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, and a few Christmas times, Carol, probably. this is, you know, this is Scrooge and Tiny Tim and all that gang. Oh, yeah. The, Chris, the spirits yeah. of Christmas, past, present, future, all the yeah. good stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that uh, there's a Scrooge that came before Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, Scrooge McDuck. That's right. <laughs> well, that was the one I remember when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that or the Muppet one. Well, that's gonna be that's gonna be the next stretch goal is making a a campaign around Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. <laughs> there, I just came I, up I, with your next stretch goal for you. You're welcome. I, I I appreciate that. I think I might have a problem there when I get sued. Well, they're fine. They have enough money. You're right. You know what? They, they're already swimming in it. I mean, yeah. do they really need another pool of cash? <laughs> yeah. And if they do, they're barking up the wrong tree here. But seriously, congrats. Like, that's a huge deal to put out your first Kickstarter and take a big... I mean, that's that's kind of a like a Christmas Carol D&D module. Like, that's a bit of a risk, I would say. And to see how it's been received and like, dude, great job. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, we were really... Me and TJ have wanted to do something like this for a long time, and doing a uh, D&D module on Kickstarter was kind of a risky thing in and of itself because, uh, in, in general, those modules don't do all that well. I mean, you could do a full-length campaign thing. if You got you might be able to pull something off there if you have a, a previous audience. But an independent adventure module was kind of a nah. – those normally don't hit more than 5,000. Let me just put it that way. Uh, we I looked into a lot of them and the numbers weren't that high for it, but uh, we figured D and D Christmas Carol would be a really sweet spot to hit. More importantly, it was the best thing I've probably ever written so far, so we figured we should start with that. What what put you over the like hump to 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 pull the trigger on it? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of people, even a lot of people listening to this podcast, who think like, oh, I'm going to kickstart a board game idea or. Or, or a video gamer, or or a uh, you know a D and a tabletop role playing type game, um, and they want to do it, but they never pull the trigger. Like, what made you finally go like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm actually going to put some resources together, do some groundwork, and so I can I have something to present and put on Kickstarter. And right, I know exactly what you're talking about. That the impetus to finally do it and stop thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and that's a big obstacle because, look, if, I'm going to put up another adventure sometime after this or a book or write a novel, something. I now know I'm going to do this because the second time's way easier. The first time – I'm sorry. But the second time, I'm basically saying, okay, I've already done this before. I could do another one. I know the, all the stuff to it. No big deal. But the first time is going from I am nothing in this to – I'm going to make something. And that's a huge hurdle. A lot of people get stumbling on that one. Like the second most people are, they try it one time and they realize it's way harder than they thought and then they don't try again. It's It was not easy. I would not have been able to do this at all if I didn't have my partner TJ on this one. He, I mean, my, my friend TJ Surgeon, absolutely fantastic help on this. He's just a machine when it comes to this sort of work. But to do it, um, for me... It was a little strange. Um, 
first of all, you need to be in the right mindset mentally and ready to do this yourself. I wish I could have done this years ago, but I wasn't someone who was ready to do it back then. But now I am. I'm, I'm ready to take on the responsibility, the work, the time. I'm willing to give up the part of myself that likes to remain anonymous. You know, I don't really want to jump out in front of a crowd, but I want to do this adventure thing and write and make these game stuff. So I have to give up that part of myself if I want to make this part happen. So I did that. So I'm here. I am on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's all you so got to do. You have to be willing to be the person that would do this sort of thing. That was the first thing for us. What actually made us do it? Um, okay, that was actually kind of a funny story. That we have a friend, the guy who did the maps for our uh, our adventure. They're really wonderful maps, and we're so excited we could get him to do it. It was done by a guy named Tanner of uh, Yarrow Studios, Tanner Yarrow. He makes great maps, and he did a Kickstarter about a year ago that was for his immersive battle maps. And he had this large book that opens up and lies flat and has maps in it. It was brilliant. And I saw that, and I thought, what if I could take the Christmas Carol adventure and turn it into a book that opens up like that? And we kind of explored the idea and thought, that would be kind of really cool. It's basically just like the books you told, you know, just turning the pages. The idea didn't really pan out for a variety of reasons, but we were already kind of on the trail there of what if we made an adventure and kickstarted this thing. And so we just kept going with it. And eventually we got to the point where we actually kicked it off. And I guess you had probably written some of the content already, right? Because didn't this kind of come out of like this campaign that you wrote for friends, as I understand it, like for fun, like you thought it would just be a good thing, enjoyable thing to do with your D and D buddies. Yes. The original idea for this, um, and I need to make sure I get proper credit where credit is due. First, Dickens, of course. Um, <laughs> it all comes back to him. Gotta get, gotta get Chucky in there. Yeah, old Chucky. Old Chucky uh, D. So about four years ago, I ran my very first uh, tabletop game as a big campaign for some friends. Um, I belong to a small group here, and I'm in Kansas City, by the way. There's a small mm -hmm. little uh, group of guys who had been playing the game for like 30 plus years. Oh, wow. And had you been playing that long? No, I'm not. I'm barely okay. that old. Um, <laughs> but they had been having this game group going on forever. Uh, my, my friends, uh, Rick, Grant, and Jerry. Um, well, they had kind of slowly whittled down to just the three of them playing it, and they invited some more friends in, and I, some the fresh blood was me and a few others, like TJ. And uh, one day I decided I was going to run my first campaign. So I did. I actually ran it for Pathfinder, and I really got into it, and this is the point when I realized that I'm a writer at heart. I love telling stories. Christmas came along, and I'm like, well... So you didn't have a ton of writing experience prior to, like, D&D &D was kind of, or not D&D, &D, but tabletop role-playing mm -hmm. was the thing that sort of awakened a... Uh, oh, yeah, hardcore. Like, a, a realization, like, hey, I, 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 I've got some skill here, and I enjoy this. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an accountant by trade. I thought that was the oh, career nice. for me. And then I realized this is a poor fit. I'm a much better writer. So <laughs> that's well, you probably I write know. lots of numbers or something, right? Yeah, not as much. <laughs> Mostly typing them now. Yeah. Um, it's funny how like our hobbies can bring that out, you know? Like, yeah. It, it, mine's an odd story like that. But anyhow, I'm, I've rather trailed off there a bit. The, uh, well, we, 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 we encouraged it. So mm -hmm. it's good. <laughs> so enough. Christmas, sorry. 
yes, Christmas comes along and I realize, you know, half the guys can't play anyways. So I need a kind of a break in the middle of the campaign, but mm-hmm. half of them still can play. So I'm like, well, I'd hate to like the one game we're going to get out of an entire month. And like, yeah, I mean, you guys are nerds. You got to keep, <clears throat> you got to keep playing for the ones who can play. You got something right? to do. So I looked around to find a Christmas uh, adventure, something or other. And I found nothing. I found absolutely nothing. Um, everything mm. I found was really, really cheesy, corny. It's just like this is just completely out of place. Go save Santa's workshop, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And like, mm-hmm. I or had get, been get baby Jesus to the end, or Mary, yeah, <laughs> so she can give birth to baby Jesus. <laughs> it's like, oh, good lord, are you kidding me? None of this makes any sense. Yeah. It's terrible. It's just uh-huh. bad. Um, and. I, to be fair, I had I have learned a lot of writing at that point. I had listened to some podcasts on writing and studied it, so I knew a lot about storytelling already. But I'm like, this just doesn't fit. None of it does. Then I remembered I had come across something from Penny Arcade. Uh, Mike Krahuik, the guy who does all the art for them, I had written an article where he said that he once ran a game based on The Christmas Carol. And he mentioned some small things of what he did, and I realized, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. Not just because it's a uh, a good story to tell, but because I can make it fit thematically to the actual game mechanics. And that was the real trick. So I put together this adventure, ran it, and it turned out easily to be the best one I'd done. Not to compare it against like the 50 game campaign that I ran eventually, but you know, just as individual sessions, I felt this was one of the easily the strongest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because if you're going to base it on something, a masterpiece is a really good start. So... Ran the entire uh, campaign, and that one always stuck out in my mind. Yeah, so maybe tell us about like what makes uh, this particular campaign unique. Like what, what, uh, what, what's this kind of the selling point for for why you think people might dig this? Uh, we got a few. Um, so the Kickstarter itself, uh, Kickstarter is always a, a complete gamble, right? You don't know if what you're going to get is any good. Board games turn out pretty well, along with miniatures, specifically the miniatures. Because I always consider that a safety net. You know, no matter how bad the game turns out, you got some cool minis to come along <laughs> with right. it. So you can like at least use those minis time. for something else. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're cool and we like them and they do great on a D&D table. So, you know, it's, it's a win no matter what. So even if the game sucks, I have these miniatures. I cannot tell you how much I've thought about TJ. Is a, like, he's a miniature fanatic. He owns just about every single zombie side game there is. Mm-hmm. I one day I'm going to run a zombie campaign and justify all of his purchases. <laughs> That's a true friend. <laughs> For selling this, what makes it so unique is one, the maps and the miniatures. We have great miniatures that are for all of the monsters and, and Scrooge and a few things I don't, we, we do not speak of. Um, <laughs> and then we have uh, a half a dozen maps. So I'm like, these are really pretty maps that you can use for other stuff, but they just look great. So like, mm-hmm. Hey, even if this adventure sucks, even if I'm terrible at it, you get some maps and miniatures out of it. So, yeah. you know, you that's make a really your own. point. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be a problem of the adventure being bad because I think it is absolutely – I think a Dickens would approve. Ooh. Um, I stick to his theme. The whole thing of redemption, uh, selflessness, uh, and changing your ways. I stick to that. And that wasn't easy because D&D is about hacking and slashing and taking stuff. Yeah. So getting that to swip, swap around so that it thematically comes together isn't simple, but I, it happens. And it's really well done. 
And I'm very, very proud of that. That's great. I think that uh, I would have never thought of that. I mean, knowing the story and knowing that it's about like, spoiler alert, you know, redemption of Scrooge. um, (laughs) Like I... Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting connection I think you're making there. Like I've played D&D a lot over the years and it is just about taking and killing and all that stuff. Um, I mean, it, it can be more. Yeah, oh, at, for sure. But at its, you know, most people, that's how they're running it, right? And at the core of the game mechanics, that's what's built into it. Yeah. That's what it leads to. So that's what it is. So that's sound. I mean, I think that sounds great. Like there's a bit of a subversion of the the D and D mechanics there, you know, or like mm-hmm. what people typically expect from like a D and D one shot or campaign or something. So exactly. Yeah, that and that's sounds why great. it's so powerful and yeah. it's, it's, it catches you off guard and I have to play some difficult tricks to pull that off, but they work very well because the Christmas Carol gives me a uh, story reasons to make it happen. You know, I can use some excuses, which, if I did this in a normal game, people are like, oh, come on. But since it's a Christmas carol, like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's a it's a strange, strange situation I'm in with that. But it turned out really well. Oh, I should mention one other thing that I'm really happy about is that I think people will enjoy it because of two things. One, it's a really good one to do with families. Um, it's a Christmas carol. I mean, come on. As dark as a Christmas carol gets, that's how dark this gets. So you, it's a really good way to introduce new players or family members into D&D. And the other bit is that it's really good for first-time uh, dungeon masters. Um, we, I owe a lot of help to uh, the copy editor, TJ's wife, Caitlin. She did a really good job of this, of helping out and putting the whole book together. But there is basically two walkthroughs for this. The general walkthrough is like, okay, here's all the bullet points. Here's a quick overview. Take you through as fast as you can. You know, so like here's the whole adventure. There you go. And then there's a detailed walkthrough that will take you through step by step as the DM of what to do. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's what I need. Yes, yeah. including parts <laughs> that like like here's your script. Like here's what the Ghost of Christmas Past would say, or uh, what Scrooge would say at this point. So it all comes together like that. That actually brings me to another point, if I can, real quick. Oh um, sure. This <laughs> is a. It's your show. We're just living in it, man. <laughs> it's a really railroaded adventure one of the things i found with dnd is that it really uh it's very open open world sort of thing you know what do you want to do is uh the great question how do you want this to go um but in these one shots they're very much a very direct adventure here's this small adventure for this one night i don't have time if you want to go run off in a different direction it's uh, something I've been kind of looking at for a long time to understand because it's basically open world design versus a linear story driven one, which you've heard that probably a thousand times before, especially among video games. And it had to be a very railroaded direct one because it was Charles Dickens story. And I think it works and stands out because you don't have to, as a DM, worry about your players doing a million crazy things you couldn't predict which is the big weight on DMs. Um, But instead, it has them very focused on something, and railroading rarely works because most of the time railroading is boring. But it's Dickens, and it's his Christmas carol, his greatest work. So it's not boring. And I feel it 
it has a lot of strengths going for it like that. Well, and also I think, you know, it, if you have an experienced DM that mm-hmm. backs this and picks it up, they can do whatever they want with it. Oh, I absolutely. mean, they can use they can use as much of it as they want. They can use as little of it as they want. I mean, like you said earlier, they can just use the minis and the maps if mm-hmm. they want and, mm-hmm. and make up something entirely their own. So I think that's what's neat about it is that it, it kind of covers all bases. Like it covers the people that I mean, this is the first time they've ever DM'd. And it's, it's a script, you know, they can just read through the script and, and learn the ropes. Or if you've got somebody that's been doing it for 30 years, they can, you know, take it and run with it and go crazy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, that's why I'm, I keep looking at this and like, I'm really proud of the work we've done here. I'm proud of my writing. I'm proud of my friends and how they put it together. I'm, mm-hmm. I love the way it looks. I'm so excited to get this out to people because uh, our copy editor, editor uh, Caitlin, it, I swear, I looked at this and I realized this looks one step down from what Wizards of the Coast would produce. Like we're just one mm. step away from that. I'm like that's stupid that she could that this could be happening. I'm like it's so cool. It's also a testimony, I think, to probably people out there listening. Like you know, hey, you can you can do this stuff. Like it's not yeah. as um, it's not as out of reach as mm-hmm. people might think. Um, I gotta say, it's really intimidating. It really is because you see all these pieces and when you get into it, you realize how many pieces there are. There's no part of this thing that magically just happened. Someone did it. Uh, the art on the cover, uh, we went through a, a gentleman called Ryan Vale. He's a great artist. Love working with him. Um, and he just – he made every single piece we have in here besides the maps. And he, he did a great job, but you had to pay him. You had to organize things with him. You had to give him ideas, get feedback, and go back and forth. It is a lot of work, but it really can be done. Every part that we didn't know how to do, we hired someone to do. Our yeah. friend Andrew Lowen, uh, who uh, originally, I think, reached out to you guys. Yeah, that's how he, we got he connected. Helped. Yeah, his, his marketing is fantastic. He was a great guy, fun to work with, uh, really useful. He helped walk us through all the marketing stuff because I spent about a month studying marketing and all I learned was I don't have time to learn marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I don't have time for any of this. I, I don't really have the mindset for it. So I started looking around for marketers and I found out, Oh, there are people who love marketing. Yeah. Who knew? They're psychos, but yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's you, that Andrew, if you're listening. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, uh, we do like to kind of, um, you know, shift gears on this podcast and ask our guests about, like, you know, who they are and what makes them tick and where they're from and stuff. So, did you grow up in Kansas City or born and raised? Did you grow up? Born and uh, raised. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, do you like Kansas City? You like the Midwest? <laughs> I do. What's your, what's your take? Okay. Um, mine is a weird story in and of itself. Um. Maybe I should have moved away when I was younger, but I ended up staying here in Kansas City. Um, and I just, I, this city is kind of my speed. Um, it's not a loud town, but it's a full grown city. I mean, just like any other, but it's, I like it here. I've always liked it here. People are fairly nice here. I was actually surprised when I went to the uh, coasts and found out that people don't let other people in when you're on the road, they don't let you know, they merge. Um, yeah, yeah. Welcome to LA pal. Yeah. When I went around Get there, I, 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 it's normal around here to smile at people, right? 
I found out I was the oddball when I did that over in uh, on the East Coast. <laughs> she was like, what the hell's wrong with you? Well, I, I um, uh, nothing. <laughs> it, it, if you smile yeah. at someone that you're, you're, you, they're, they're going to think you want something. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. Apparently. Or they, but they take it as like a really, sarcastic smile. Yeah. But it really wasn't that bad because honestly, I think those people just have it rough on the coasts. Mm. Like things are tough for them. Uh, it, and when I smiled at other people, they often smiled right back and they, they kind of brightened up. It's just something that always stood out to me. It was kind of strange. But uh, Kansas City, it's just kind of – it's my speed. I like it here. There's lots of space. I love space. Um, it's really easy to get uh, – we just keep growing out here in Kansas City, uh, and I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, I spent a few days there a couple years ago. Um, ate some good barbecue. Got some good barbecue over oh, there in Kansas City. we got good barbecue. Yeah, it's, it's so, pretty nice. Uh, Where did you eat? Yeah. I ate at a couple different places. i try and to remember – the names of all of them. Yeah, that's but okay. We I know have way Q, too many. Q, yeah. <laughs> Q38, is that one? Q38? Q39 is a good place. Uh, Q39, it was one digit off. Yeah. No, anyway. Drew, Drew ate at Q38. It wasn't as good. It was the prototype <laughs> restaurant. They yeah, that's had right. It, it was the beta, right. the beta yeah. test. It was, it was really good. It was some of the best brisket I've had. I'll did say you that. eat at Oklahoma Joe's? No, I didn't. Is that uh, your favorite? Um, did you eat at Kansas City Joe's? I think I did eat at Kansas City Joe's, okay. but not Oklahoma Joe's. It, that, that, that determines when you ate here, because Kansas City Joe's is considered one of the best barbecue places in Kansas City. Um, it's often what we show people to. It used to be called Oklahoma Joe's, and everyone who's from here refers to it as Okie Joe's. But there's a, some owner thing, ship thing, and blah, 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 and they changed the name. Uh, but that's one of the best places you can eat. If you're going to grab some barbecue down here, that's a really good place to go for. Uh, and uh, so did you like wh – what did your parents do? Oh, my parents. Um, my dad works in a factory to this day uh, making glass um, out in Spring Hill. Uh, my mother's a nurse, and she's worked for a small doctor's office for, oh gosh, 20, 25? Yeah, longer than I can remember. And, yeah. they, and they stuck it out there in Kansas City, mm -hmm. raised you there, and yep. you have siblings? I have two. My older sister, Elizabeth, who's up in Wisconsin now. My younger one still lives in town here. She's a dental mm -hmm. hygienist. Oh, nice. the middle child, huh? I am the middle. The rose between two thorns. <laughs> <laughs> the thorn between two you, roses. Yeah. Something. Thorns are involved somehow. Did you guys grow up in the church? You go to church or anything like that? Oh, yeah. It's pretty common around here. Um, yeah. I myself am still a Christian to this day. So, Okay, nice. What church did you grow up in? Um, mostly I grew up in a church called The Vineyard. Uh, okay. It's, Heard of it. Uh, yeah. yeah it, I'm in uh, a vineyard here. There's a lot of vineyards out there. Um, they're, it's kind of weird because people don't know about vineyards unless you're normally heavily involved in churches. Um, but there's quite a few vineyards out there. It's not something that you call Baptist or Presbyterian or anything like that, but yeah, they're here. And they, mm -hmm. uh, they try and do what I, I, things that I, I aim for in my life. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's an example? Um, well, this is kind of weird. I came to some conclusions. I, I love philosophy. I love broad picture scope things. I get that very well. And something that I learned and I try and live is that I find that truth is somewhere in the middle. When you have two extremes of something, normally the true answer that you want is somewhere in between those two. Then after, you know, when I became an adult and decided to, you know, okay, I'll become a member of my church, I went to it and found, oh, okay, apparently this is their 
this is what they do. <laughs> they're trying to yeah. refer to themselves as the radical middle, and that's what they aim for. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, apparently I was raised in the, just the right church because <laughs> <laughs> they're already doing what I want to do, aim for the middle. That's interesting because I feel like uh, most people think of the middle as like a fine place to be. But you refer to it as the as the radical middle. Like, mm-hmm. what, what's that about? Well, they—that's uh, the term uh, that the vineyard uses, or at least my pastor I know. Um, sure. The people often think the middle of something is the is uh, str- uh, straddling the fence, or it's mm-hmm. you know non-committed, and Lukewarm. that's often true. Yeah. Um, or like compromised somehow. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But. For I, I won't I won't speak directly for the churches. I cannot represent them, and I don't feel it's appropriate. But I can say for myself. I only want you to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you have to be. A... I need you to speak for someone else who's I'm not gonna here. Call so Mr. Uh, I'm going to call Mister Vineyard. Let's get him on the phone. Mister Vineyard, um, or Mrs. Vineyard. Yeah, I'm sure there's a Mrs. Miss. Vineyard out there too. Um, yeah. I hope they're happily married. Um, there is a uh, for for me. Whenever I see an issue, if there are two sides to an issue then both of you must have some of the truth. You must have some mm-hmm. perspective that is worth having because mm-hmm. it's very rare that that's not true. Yeah. So if both sides have some of the truth, that must mean that the truth that you really want, the thing that is just true, is somewhere in between those two. You need to make a compromise between them to get what you want. Mm-hmm. I've often found that the far side, just going one way or the other often ends in extremism and that always ends poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can see that so much today. I mean, Mm -hmm. scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else, you can see what the extremes look like. And, um, yeah, I do. I agree with you. I think they're usually, uh, balances, you know, mm-hmm. key. And that was a hard thing for me to learn too, because you have it takes a lot of introspection. Um, for example, I think one of the reasons that I didn't become a writer sooner was that when I was younger, I was a very conservative person. Mm. I just, by nature or whatever, I was. So I didn't do a lot of the artsy things. I didn't explore stuff like that when I was younger. Yeah, you became an accountant. I became an accountant. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, as I grew older, I... So you'd say as a kid, you kind of like... You grew up in this church, I guess, and you kind of just took it for granted? Well, not entirely, but some of it. Yeah. Definitely some of it. Um, and it wasn't just like the church itself was conservative, because it really wasn't that conservative. And it's definitely not interested in politics. Um, but it's just that my personal nature and how I chose to do things... Uh, my younger years were very interesting, but that's later. As I grew older, I realized, well, the truth is somewhere in the middle, and we have two ways of viewing the world, a more conservative, reserved way, and a more liberal, chaotic way, then certainly there must be somewhere in the middle that I'm missing. So mm-hmm. slowly, bit by bit, um, I started seeing, uh, making myself more liberally minded um, and more – and not I don't mean that in politics and stuff like that. I mean more of just literally – trying to find a middle ground mm-hmm. as like, yeah it, or maybe like more open to 
other perspectives and things kind of like you open yourself up to some other well, ideas. I was always interested in hearing those other ones, but yeah, I, I apologize. Maybe I should clarify. I want to try and divorce the whole liberal and conservative thing from the whole politics as yeah. we named our groups right. after that yeah. like, fairly appropriately. But what conservative and liberal is, is the conservative does what was done before because it works. Mm-hmm. Duh. So they're traditionalists. A perspective of preservation. Mm-hmm. The liberal yeah. is the one who comes up with new ideas and wants to do something new in hopes of making it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are both very wonderful things, and we want and need both of them. But I was kind of stuck in a more conservative thing, so I'm like, well, I need to be, make myself more liberal and consider new and different ways of doing things. So as I've moved myself more hopefully towards the middle, I realize, oh, I love stories. And even better, I'm pretty good at telling them. So I started refining these skills and the ability to create new things and put new spins on old ones, like with the Christmas Carol. And eventually I came to this place where we launched a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask this question when we have, you know, guests on that grew up Christian. Like, were you nerdy growing up? I know you didn't get into D&D until later, mm-hmm. but like either video games or comics or any kind of nerdy stuff growing up. Uh, video games were definitely my drive when I was younger. Yeah. Um, it, mine was a weird thing. Um, I had a, when I was younger, I didn't realize this until maybe a couple years ago. Uh, this, I was socially inept as a child. I couldn't interaction. I couldn't interact with other people very well. I couldn't Mm. carry on a conversation. Well, I didn't know what to say. I didn't pick up on social cues, all these sorts of things. I didn't learn it till much, much later that I was basically a, type of social deprivation where I just kind of grew up. I was a little weird as a kid. And so other kids didn't want to play with me. Mm. He was just that weird guy. And for some reason or something, however this happened, I became very socially isolated. Mm -hmm. Meaning I didn't pick up social cues from other people. So Mm. you didn't know how to interact socially. So I went into all sorts of geeky things and, you know, on my own, like video games or uh, books or just anything like that that was very much solo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What was your jam back then? Like what what video games were you into? Um, oh, gosh. I used to be a Nintendo fanboy as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved Nintendo. I thought they were the best. Um, oh. I mean, like as in I didn't – Still are. I, <laughs> some, sort of. Well, I, let, <laughs> they still put out some good stuff. We'll put it that way. I'm not going to say they're the best, but they – yeah. Um, but uh, I was – holding on to it even when they were doing the GameCube era. Yeah. Those, those were some difficult Die times to be a Nintendo end. fan. You know? <laughs> those were like, those the Dark Ages. Indeed they were. <laughs> the dark um, times. <laughs> uh, but uh, after that, um, I suppose I really did enjoy World of Warcraft quite a bit. Probably played that mm-hmm. way too much in uh, mm-hmm. college. We all did. Uh, yeah, that was, that, that was straight up crack on a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did you, uh, were were you enticed at all by the wow classic that just came out? I was enticed. And then I firmly said, ain't nobody got no time for that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm sure it would be special though. Were your parents like concerned with you at all being into games, especially like World of Warcraft? Did they worry about you? A little bit. Uh, my mother, especially of course, but that's mom's. My dad actually played Mm -hmm. with me. Uh, my dad oh, nice. enjoys games as well. Oh, nice. So we played a game. We played World of Warcraft together, and that was a lot of fun. Good times there. Yeah. So, yeah, was there ever any tension? Because, you know, a lot of people that were raised Christian um, 
sometimes there's a lot of tension around like video games or D and D or that kind of stuff. Like, was there ever any of that or uh, a little bit? They're mostly just concerned because I, how to put it? I think they were mostly just concerned that they saw that I was very isolated and yeah, yeah. there was clearly something off with me, but my parents didn't know what that was. I'm yeah. not going to put that on them to try and figure it out. I mean, I only found it out in like a couple of years ago because someone extremely smart mentioned it. Hmm. Um, but as for video games and stuff, there was some, but they were very loving parents and they did not, you know, make a huge deal of it or anything like that. Although yeah. I will tell one funny story. Um, getting into D and D I got into it right before it became popular. So hmm. about four years or so before it was actually socially acceptable to play D and D. And it was, you know, the cool thing that kids do now. Yeah. Um, when it was like a shameful thing to do as in <laughs> yeah uh, i mentioned it, tj and caitlin before tj got me into it and he was on the phone with caitlin his then girlfriend and she's saying oh um uh i'm just hanging out with some friends and my friend rick turned to him yeah. and said tell her you're playing D D. do it <laughs> Do it. do it do it now do it <laughs> waving your way oh no we're not doing much <laughs> Just, yeah it's the funny. time when you would not admit you're playing D D because that mm -hmm. is the end of your social life that's yeah. funny um you know it's funny now like i i almost um like i've sort of almost like disciplined myself to do this like mm -hmm. like i just uh i want to be really honest about my hobbies and stuff like i I used to be that way too, like, cause I've written about video games for years now, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and manage sites like Love I Nerd and stuff. And, uh, I used to be kind of embarrassed to tell people sometimes, especially Christians, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. cause you know, when you tell them they're going to be like, there's going to be something like, Oh, that's mm -hmm. weird. Guard or, your heart. Guard your heart. Or bro. they might say like, um, you know, they might kind of like say something a little bit dismissive of it. Um, right, right. But but now I'm like, you know what? I'm proud of what we do at Love Thy Nerd, and like, um, I don't know. I just it's like a it's like almost like a personal value, like a core mm -hmm. value of mine mm -hmm. now that I'm just not going to be ashamed of those things anymore. Yeah. Well, in part that's probably because you've grown older and you're more assertive of who you are now. Yeah, I mean that may be part of it too. In, yeah, I mean I know who I am, and now I'm a much more charismatic person because of it. I'm, I'm much mm -hmm. more certain people are like, oh, yeah, Joe, he's such and such. Um, but when you're younger, you're still trying to figure out so much that you don't want to be rejected for anything. And rejection yeah. really hurts and it's heavy. For sure. Um, that's why people are keeping it down the down low when they're younger. But, you know, when you get to roughly your 30s or something like that, you kind of know who you are or at least some of the mm -hmm. basics. Plus, nowadays, we've lost a lot of our standards and stigmas. Um, yeah. It, among the Christians, it's in Christianity has been having troubles for a while in America, and the liberals have mostly moved away really? from it entirely. Oh. Yeah. In case you were not <laughs> aware, no, I know. <laughs> um, but leaving mostly the more conservative-minded holding on to it, not certain how to make sure. it grow and change in you know mm -hmm. a new in, under new technology and new entertainment and all these things, because they're the conservatives; they don't change by nature, um, which has been really rough on it. We really need more yeah. liberal uh, liberal Christians because we need new art and we need new songs. We need new good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you, and again, when you say that, you mean 
the classical definitions, not yes. not in our not political, political definition. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. the reason we have such a terrible divide ties back to that sort yeah. of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of gatekeeping, you know. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, like what about well, in the it, amongst Christians about what mm-hmm. what is and isn't acceptable art, what is and isn't acceptable like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think there's there's some, sometimes there's this this like temptation we face to be like you've got to it's got to fit within this parameter where where we're going to claim it's not on brand enough to be called Christian, yeah, <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, I I totally understand that, and that's the real problem that uh, uh, Christians have nowadays. It's a more conservative, rigid mindset. Uh, that one kind of got blown mm-hmm. out of the water when I heard uh, – you ever heard of the band Demon Hunter? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, okay. If they're Christian and – they're a bunch of Christians and they're doing uh, metal, okay, yeah. then clearly – It's pretty intense. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense, intense metal. metal. Um, then clearly uh, there is <laughs> <laughs> more room, wiggle room than we are – There's room at the table, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing for the Christians nowadays. Mm-hmm. Have I mean, you, with uh, launching your Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, and, you know, talking to people about it, and I'm assuming you've talked to, like, other Christians about it and stuff, like, have yeah, you sure. gotten any pushback or any kind of, like, weird comments or anything like that from people? Okay. Um, once or twice, yes, but I think for the most part, the satanic panic is over. Yeah. Um, that was a terrible thing and one of the uh, – just a stupid thing where someone declared that – D&D is basically uh. devil worship and it isn't and it was complete <laughs> well we settled it done well yeah and like yeah. it's like it was complete panic it really was it mm-hmm. was someone said something riled people up made a name for themselves probably and yeah it it's it was it's stupid um, yeah. I actually, we just published an we article just, today uh, that gets into that just really? recently published oh, okay. yeah. check, check it out um yeah, it's uh, it's called uh, a Christian defense of Dungeons and Dragons. Good. So it's up on lovenightnerd.com. Yeah, I'd like so. to read that one. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it was a so occasionally a little bit of that remains. I believe one of my parents actually said uh, when I when they found out I was playing D and D like two or three years in, um, when I happened to mention it. Uh, it's they, funny that they found out two or three years <laughs> in. <laughs> well, I had to know if I even wanted to play it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sure. And uh, uh, they said, uh, uh, Joe, that's the devil's game. And I had to talk someone down off a ledge there. Uh, but it's perfectly fine. It's really yeah, not. Yeah. And now they don't remember ever saying that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny how, like, like I think, you know, you said that the satanic panic has died away. But, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly it hasn't if that was the response. And it's funny, too, because I think there's lots of, like, reasonable – you know, level-headed Christians out there mm-hmm. that that still kind of think of it that way just because of the way the conversation was controlled, yeah. you know, back when that all started. And so there's just this, there's just this sense of that, even um, though if they really stop to think about it or if they watch someone like Chris is, Chris always tells a story about his parents watching him play <laughs> D and D after they were worried about it. Yeah. And then they actually saw him play and they were like, Oh, that's, yeah, please this is never this play is, here again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're like, this just, is dumb. It's yeah, just not go demonic. Away. It's just dumb. Just, just go, go away. away. <laughs> just, just, 
Yeah. Like, we're not worried about Satan getting you. We're worried you're just you're just not that bright. Yeah, you're just dumb. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, so I think well, it's just you know that red red. I guess it's a testimony of how powerful rhetoric is, and it really is. Um, you know, small uh, like half truths being out there in the mm. world, or not even half truths, but like you know, just this. That's that's all it takes to sort of create a. Yeah, mm-hmm. create a unfortunate culture. Well, have you ever heard of something called an anchoring point? Yes. Where you basically, like, you, you bargain for a car, and the first opening price is $10,000. That is now mm. anchored from there. Whether it goes above or below, it started at 10000 Mm-hmm. That's why they gotcha. put the, the numbers on the cars, so they can anchor the price <laughs> where right. they want it. Um, mm-hmm. It, same thing happens with conversations. We started this entire podcast smiling, laughing, being very pleasant to each other, and that anchored to this podcast at friendly, nice, congenial. Yeah. Um, D&D got anchored at Devil's Game. It is now yeah. uphill from there. It has been, what, 40 years now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now it's starting to finally break its hold. Mm-hmm. That's a really yeah, long time. Yeah, that's a time. good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, when you start that, which like, I think is testimony to how important it is that we like really investigate things mm-hmm. because, you know, the people that, that claimed that, uh, didn't dig very deep. No, um, yeah. like I said, <laughs> you know? I don't have a lot of respect for people who do that sort of thing. Who, yeah, whoever yeah. declared this at the very beginning, mostly, mm-hmm. I suspect they made a name off of themselves and that's, and once you get, you know, a position of respect and authority and power on based upon something, you will not change your mind on that very likely yeah, because yeah. you have to. And they're out. all like a lot of the stories too, that, that, that satanic panic came out of are like rooted in these stories. Like one of them's a kid who ran away from home. Um, and it was just assumed that he was like doing what he did in his D and D campaign, but in real life, Oh, yeah, and like, yeah, flimsy, you know, and flimsy like, excuses. Right, right. And so nobody really bothered to, like, someone just spun that, put that narrative out into the world, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, that yeah. makes perfect sense. It's right. also an easier excuse. There's it's totally. a lot of reasons mm-hmm. these things happen. But when one of them is that we have an easy answer for why something happens, people prefer to have that. Um, yeah. People would have to say, oh, he played D&D, so he ran away from home. We should just get rid of D&D. Because that's mm-hmm. an easier problem to solve than, oh, he had an abusive home or he was having mental problems. Sure. Right, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's not that different from the debate that we sometimes have about like uh, violence in video games. I'm mm-hmm. thinking the same uh, thing. It, 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 and yeah. to be fair, there is some connections there that could make could make it reasonable. Doesn't make it true, sure. but those right. possible connections make it far easier to assume it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's an easy, it's an easy target mm-hmm. or, or a scapegoat, you know. Especially the new it's one. It's easier yeah. for us to, to cope with than thinking like, hey, maybe we really have a problem with, uh, with mental health, with attitudes about, um, you know, well, I mean, all sorts of that conversations we ought to be having that would help people live healthier, better, uh, more neighborly lives, you know. Mm-hmm. And to be fair... Despite all of our problems, life is pretty good. We're just focusing on more negative <laughs> stuff. I try to remind sure. people, you know, the world uh, is not actually burning down at the moment. Yeah. We're okay. No. I was playing. Yeah. Uh, I was playing Civilization Six 
on my switch like a couple days ago and Ashley, my wife was watching me and I was in like the, the, you know, civilizations, like the civilization building game. You start like, you know, 4,000 BC and you build your civilization (laughs) all the way to the present day. And I think I was playing a scenario where I was like Vikings, like running around, just pillaging and like just destroying (laughs) people. And she's watching. She's like, man, we live in a really easy time. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. yeah you're right yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah anyway. you're not too often worried about uh people from vikings uh, yeah, coming over yep. here and pillaging you yep. know definitely not now they're so nice now sweden yeah it's really Swedes. hard to look at the swedish <laughs> and say okay you used to be murderous poor people yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> totally you were huge yeah. blonde and had axes <laughs> Yeah. So I'm curious, um, you know, just learning a little bit about like your faith and your Christian walk and stuff. Like, what is that? um, How does that play into your like your fascination with the Christmas Carol and doing this Kickstarter and all that stuff? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of those themes in the Christmas Carol, like we talked about with redemption and forgiveness and selflessness and those kinds of things. Like, is there, is there a correlation there like between your, your faith and choosing that or what's that look like? Oh, uh, I'm sure there's probably something there. I mean, Dickens was writing something that basically set the stage for Christmas. Um, I always enjoyed the movie, the man who invented Christmas. It's very good. Mm. If you have not seen that one, it's worth your time. Um, he, uh, for faith and stuff like that, how it relates to it. Um, well, geez, uh, faith is a weird thing. Um, I've very much embraced the idea that if there is anything in life of absolute value that absolutely is good, unquestionably, it is the truth. So truth should be held very highly, possibly above all else. Mm. So I will pursue that. And I believe that uh, the whole Christianity ordeal, Jesus Christ and all that stuff, is true. I don't have all the answers to it in the slightest, but I do hold it to be true. Mm. Um, so the story of Scrooge definitely does call to me, as it is a story of redemption, of turning away from bad ways and doing good, of being selfless. That's very core Christian principles right there. Um but at the same time, it's a little strange because I always think of church and being Christian as this foundational thing in a life. You know, like I believe mm-hmm. these things. Look, I'm going to write novels in the future. I'm going to make more adventures. I don't know what else I'll write, but I will write. And if people are interested in what that's all based on, it's like I show you my house that I've built like, oh, this is a beautiful house. I don't normally talk about the foundation until you want to understand more about how can <laughs> I get you. Yeah, sure. The Christian faith is that foundation. It's not cool. It's not hip. It's not, you know, <laughs> what people are drawn yeah. into. But it is the foundation for all the other good parts of my life that have been built upon it. Hmm. Yeah. Give it time. Doesn't seem cool or hip yet, but <laughs> it's do a been little digging, years. a little investigating. I don't think it's yeah. going to get hipper. I think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's all. There's no, some mega churches meant- out here in LA that would beg to differ. Oh God, <laughs> mega churches. <laughs> I more meant the latter, like what you what, what you're saying overall, which is that, um, yeah, it's it's a process, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, 
letting people see that side of you is a process. And um, when you do it well, I think you it's an invitation to, you know, let people get to know you and what you're about. And then they'll see they'll see they'll see why those things I, matter to you. I, I hope so. Um, one of the things that I've noticed as I've learned to tell stories, and this has really bothered me, is that especially I see it in movies, I see it in writing. Um, the ending is very important in all these things. Uh, the hook at the beginning is gets them in, invested. The middle chunk gets them through it, whether or not it's worth staying. But the end is yeah. what they remember looking back. Mm-hmm. Right. And endings are hard because mm-hmm. I often, one of the things I love about stories is that a really good story reveals a truth. Maybe more than one. But you might need to write an entire uh, novel just to reveal one important truth. And the greatest yeah. stories do that. Christmas Carol did that. Uh, Lord of the Rings mm. did that. He had to write an entire trilogy, deeply detailed, just to re- <laughs> to show us uh, the contrasts of good and evil. That's what it all comes down to in mm. Lord of the yeah. Rings. It's beautifully done. I love it. Yeah. But That's I cool. see a lot of things nowadays, and the ending that they have, the finale, the, the truth they're trying to get at, are often fractured broken things uh Mm -hmm. there was one that stuck with me a friend was telling me is that he wrote a story he read a story and it was super dark and the ending was just grim and depressing as all get out and Mm -hmm. he said yeah and the worst part was the author had a note at the end that he apologized he couldn't make his story darker Mm -hmm. what is wrong with you if (laughs) that's what you're trying to do yeah, because there's that's really messed up. Mm. That's incredible. So there's a conviction that you have that that there should be some light at the end of the tunnel to the, the work that you do. No, I have conviction that the truth is always to be held in the highest regard, gotcha. and that if the if the truth is it's dark and it's grim, then that's the truth. But I don't okay. think it is. I believe these people have been writing these stories, telling these tales, and their beliefs have warped their stories. Because they believe these things that are not true, but they have to fit them into the story because they believe they're true. And then the mm-hmm. story doesn't quite work. And it gets, it's either it's crammed in there and it doesn't fit, the ending is bleak and it doesn't all come together. Something feels wrong about these stories. Yeah. Um, I've mm-hmm. felt that a lot in the movies lately, like with Star Wars has been struggling with. Uh, and, and Star Wars is an excellent example. They have certain beliefs that are not working. They try and make a story about those beliefs and say these things, but then it all falls apart on them. <laughs> yeah. We can get in some Jedi discussion mm-hmm. here. <laughs> that's I'm thing. Yeah. I apologize. We don't have time. Yeah. No, we don't have, unfortunately we don't have time. That's another but podcast. Time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, no, that's cool. That's what, if there's anything of my beliefs come into, it is foundational in the stories that I will tell. Cool. And if I'm yeah. right, the stories will tell that. If I'm wrong, my yeah. stories won't work out that well, and Definitely. no one will remember them. Well, if people want to support your stories, what's the best way to do that? Right now? You to tell us about your Kickstarter? I'd love to. It I think is, there'll still be a little bit of time left to yeah. get in on it. So It'll be at a Sweet. Christmas Carol adventure on Kickstarter, um, and it'll go on for about, uh, I think, another 16 days we have left about now. So okay. it goes till December 5th, and even after that, you guys can still get yourself a copy afterwards by going to the uh, link on the thing to the backer kit nice great 
Well, we're excited to check it out. Where else would people find you online? Anything else um, you wanna you wanna promote? Right at the moment, uh, Verge Games. Um, we are starting that one up, but we just basically have, this is our first thing. We really don't have that much functioning. I would definitely go to the uh, Kickstarter for right now. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on the sh- yeah. show, Josiah. It was really really enjoyed chatting with you. Well, it's a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, yeah, Drew. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And if you want to check out Love Thy Nerd, uh, there's lots of ways to, to keep up with what we're doing. Go to lovethynerd.com to see great articles and to uh, find out more about our podcast. We have a whole podcast network, um, Free Play, which is gets into all areas of nerd culture. We have The Pull List, which is our comic book podcast. And then, of course, uh, if you want to follow what we're doing online, one of the best ways to do that is to search for Love Thy Nerd Community. You're going to want to ask to join that community. And then you're also going to want to search for our our uh, page on Facebook, Love Thy Nerd, and, and, and like that. And then you can follow all the articles and things that are going on with us. Um, we can't do this without your help. So if you like this podcast, consider going to lovethynerd.com slash partner. Um, we need financial support. Um, it costs money to do this. It costs a lot of time. Chris and I give a lot of energy to this and to Love Thy Nerd in general. So if you think what we do is rad, um, yeah, help us out. Um, do whatever the Lord lays on your heart, but uh, <laughs> help us out. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's hey, it Hey, we us. also just uh, launched our Discord server. That's right. So yeah. check us out. Um, yeah, you can find a link to that in our Facebook community. Yep. So go check those things out. Yeah. And uh, have a ha- very happy Thanksgiving. Bye. 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 Bye.